far as I'm concerned, religion has a lot to answer for. Putting the fear of death into kids, into children, as, as a way of controlling their behaviour, threatening completely disproportionate consequences for behaviour that is just a part of exploring life, your body, the world. I'm not okay with that. But what if that fear of death is so hardwired, so all-encompassing that it affects you for the rest of your life? even when you're engaging in some pretty normal behavior. And what would happen if that headspace was combined with an illness that nearly killed you and sometimes left you struggling to breathe for the rest of your life? If your answer was rise from the ashes like a phoenix to become Australia's greatest long-haired, tattooed, mental health and great cooking advocate, you'd be right. My podcast guest is the all-powerful Nat's What I Reckon. You know Nat. He's a brilliant, kind, generous human being, and I can't wait for you to get to know him. His story will move you, will inspire you, and possibly make you want to peg a jar of pasta sauce at a brick wall. I can't wait for you to hear it. Uh, before we get there, though, we are going to have to play some ads because, you know, podcasts are free to listen to, but they're not free to make. I might have some news for you about that in a moment. So hang tight. If you hear some ads, thank you for helping us keep the lights on. If you don't hear some ads, you won the lotto. And in a second, you're going to hear Nat say some super inspiring stuff. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The real thing that helps me is like just fucking hanging in there. I think I just got sick of it. Like I put on a lot of weight, you know, drinking heaps and at this point, where I was like, I'm fucking sick of it. I'm going to die this way or I'm going to die doing something 
else that's not about me. I felt very self-involved just being so so heady about everything that I just wanted to change it. So I started hitting the gym and started making these videos. Even while I was at work, I'm filming myself and documenting fucking all sorts of shit, trying to have a laugh wherever I can and just keep pushing, keep pushing at, at what I'm, I'm creating here. Even if it's not getting any fucking views, which it didn't for a while, just keep making shit. Keep fucking turning up, keep going at it, you know. And if it doesn't work out, fuck it, you know, I'll have another meltdown or something, I don't know. But at the moment, we're just, we're getting through it. That is comedian, author and musician, and that's what I reckon. And this is Better Than Yesterday. Hello and welcome to Better Than Yesterday. I'm Osha Ginsberg. Thank you so much for being here. This is a show, a podcast that is here to make your day today better than it was yesterday. That's the promise of the show. Been here since 2013. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, something you hear on this show will help you make today better than yesterday. Does what it says on the box. Mondays and Wednesdays, I'm here with a guest. Fridays, I'm here with you. I'm Osher. I, I work on television sometimes. I'll be either counting flowers, whispering, or I'll be shouting very loudly at a, a, a gigantic feather duster, literally screaming, take it off in a very loud suit. That's what I do sometimes on telly, but every week, three times a week, I'm here. And I have been since 2013. Uh, if you need to get in touch with me, shoot me a DM on Instagram. It's probably the best way to get to me. Patreon is back. Patreon.com slash Osher. There's a couple of tiers there. And uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about that later on. I also have uh, live shows on the way. I've got dates finally. I've got dates. I'll talk to you about them a little later on. Can't wait to come and see you. But uh, we're here. Let's get on with it because Nat's here today, man. If you haven't turned on the internet in the last 24 months, you would not be aware of the powerhouse Sydney comedian, musician, author, cook. Nat's what I reckon. Nat started a YouTube channel in 2006 and it's grown into an almighty online empire with an audience of two and a half million people who all enjoy a good laugh and a full tummy. Nat has this overarching message of taking agency and responsibility around your health, your headspace, your mental health. And he's, he's just so wonderful and so wholesome and so sweary. Because these beautiful messages about just living a great life and transcending shitness that might have been dealt you all comes out of the brilliantly filthy mouth of a kind-hearted long hair with face tattoos and lip piercings. I adore Nat. I just love this man. I might have to create a hall of fame for the nicest human beings I've ever met because he is up there. He has a seat at the table. And his story is really going to surprise you. If you aren't aware of, of his background, how he got to now, his story will surprise you. You've seen a video, someone shared a video with you of Nat, but you may not know how he got to where he got to. I cannot thank Nat enough for being so open to speak about his time in uh, Pentecostal churches, the ongoing trauma that experience created in his life. And I know he's not alone in that experience. 
I would say, look, there's a content warning here because in this show we speak about death, we speak about church-related trauma, drugs, drug abuse, antipsychotics, but shit, is that really that out of the ordinary? You probably nodded along to at least one of those things that I just mentioned, or you know someone that is involved with or has been affected by one of those things I just mentioned. So I think that's just a human being like you and like me. It's all part of the rich and delicious flavors that make up the Nat's what I reckon aromas, the beautiful curry he's cooking up. Nat has a couple of books out. His debut book, Uncook Yourself, was shortlisted for the General Nonfiction Book of the Year at the uh, ABIA Awards, the Australian Book Industry Awards. It won the Booktopia Favourite Australian Book of the Year for 2020. Nat donated the proceeds of the sale of that book to Beyond Blue. He's a massive advocate for mental health. His latest book is called Death to Jar Source, which is 25 fairly rad episodes. Nat has a board game, all right? He's got a fucking board game. I mean, that is a height of... I've never achieved a board game. I'm like, I'm, I'm aiming, I hope I get like live shows, uh, maybe T-shirt, but board game, like that's Denya shit up there. I'm amazed. Uh, best of all, you can be in the same room as Nat very, very, very soon. COVID willing, Nat is touring. His tour last year, I think he did 50 or 60 shows around the country colossal they were go along go see him it's the best night you'll have in forever dates and details are at natswhatireckon.com n-a-t-s-w-a-t-i-r-e-c-k-o-n.com here we go strap in let's have a chat with nat how are you today nat you good yeah i'm all right i'm all right (laughs) um, surfing this fucking wave of of media stuff and channel shit and brains shit and, you know, lots of stuff going on. I'm so happy that I could talk to you because, I mean, we, we met before. We went, we went and had a, had a lunch together at a cafe yeah. in, in Surrey Hills. And I'm just so happy to get you on this show because I really believe in what you're doing and I really, for me, as someone who's from the olden, olden dinosaur media, and looking to new business models, when I look at you, I'm like, there's a guy who's just, I'm just going to be who I am as fully as possible and see what happens. And it's not <laughs> like you did anything different. Just one day, who you were as fully as possible became the thing that everybody wanted to see. I suppose so. Yeah, suppose so. It's just, um, I'm glad something's worked there. <laughs> I'm glad something's worked there, or at least, you know. The person I've grown into is a bit, a bit more um, palatable, you know. For more people, that's great. I'm, it's been pretty fucking wild. It yeah, it's been God. When probably the last eighteen months or so. That's definitely been the the, uh, the high octane thriller part of the movie. That's definitely. <laughs> yeah, I've been pushing at this shit for fucking ages. Like tr- obviously, you know, someone creating things and putting them out there and trying to have a laugh and trying to make people laugh at, you know, fucking speedboats and camper vans and all sorts of shit I used to make videos about. And I still want to do that, by the way. But, um, yeah, until this lockdown hit, I think I just hit a nerve and, yeah, I'm lucky, very, very lucky. Well, you also, you didn't come to it by accident. You know, it's a, a culmination of the the right amount of skills and the right amount of ability and, and it's always like when, when anyone comes out of seemingly nowhere, I always, I know, you know, but a lot of people don't realise. They're like, no, 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 that's that's someone who's just 
poked the the amount of energy that it's taken to get into your eyeballs, the momentum that's taken to get there has been going on for a decade. I remember seeing videos of you being shared. I remember I told you at lunch. I saw a video of you being shared in a group chat. God, when I was living in America. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Like, <laughs> long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. I've had, I've had a, like a little following going on for, a, for quite a few years beforehand, but it definitely... You know, it hits these plateaus, you know. People are like, oh, he's, you know, taking the piss out of another another trade show, you know. You still keep that gang there. You have to, yeah. you have to kind of diversify a bit and do some more shit. It becomes a bit samey. And uh, so we moved to the States, funnily enough, and started going to shit like Roswell and making some real banana stuff, trying to, <laughs> trying to shake it up a bit and trying to find some more audience. And then I came home for a sec and uh, I got fucking stuck inside and I'm like, oh, well, fuck it, I'll be cooking nonstop anyway. May as well <laughs> hang shit on this fucking disgusting jarred garbage that everyone keeps buying at the shop seemingly. So fuck it. <laughs> we'll just pivot. People love a good pivot during lockdown. So I fucking chucked a big pivot. You're, you're in Sydney uh, right now. Did you grow up here? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I grew up out northwestern Sydney. I grew up in Brisbane, so I don't really know what northwestern Sydney looks like. What is it? Like, what's the suburbia, you know? Yeah. Like fucking, like the kind of, I grew up in the church and like, a, you know, going to the mall. I mean, for the first kind of, you know, 14-ish years around there and then I moved in with my dad. So there was there was a short-haired, non-sweary version of you? Yeah, there's definitely been a short hair, non-sweary version. I don't know. I'll just swear somewhere else and then get get flogged for it. <laughs> there was church involved in my upbringing only because that was all that that seemed to come along with a quality of education that my parents were looking for. Right. And so that stuff was kind of It was a Christian pushed. school or something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so that stuff was kind of pushed upon me. And I think like I'm past it now, but a life of enormous guilt every time I masturbated was, you know, probably, <laughs> you know, a, a big thing. And, you know, this idea that yeah, I need to watch out for my thoughts because my thoughts will send me to fire and death yeah, and hell. Yeah, fucking, that's heavy for a kid. It's heavy, heavy. And then, you know, there was the cannibal part. There was the, oh, now this piece of bread is actually the body of someone and now you're going to drink some blood. Like, that's a bit weird. And here's a massive life-size statue of a person who is being torturously murdered in the hot sun. Oh, it's a cat. You went to a Catholic school then. That's what I saw every day. But it was like, oh, yeah, there it is. The story is fucking harrowing. It's, it's fucking harrowing. Or well, whatever version. I haven't read the... The Catholic version. I know they're all, they have a bit of different. I went to the kind of Pentecostal version. They have, you know, differing kind of details, but it's fucking grim shit. Someone's been being crucified on its own. It's very death metal, very fucking, you know, it's the tombs and people coming back to life and shit. Like Easter's the most fucking death metal shit out. But like, you know, someone gets crucified and then they fucking get bunged in a tomb and then they just come out of the tomb. And there's like, you know, depending on where you read it, sometimes there's a big rock in front of the tomb. I don't know how you got the rock open. But just come out, brand new. How you going? Never mind, a couple of days ago, I was on a fucking stick, you know, with a crown of thorns, you know, 
part of the story I've heard is that he was sucking vinegar off a sponge or something. Like that's all they had to. I don't know. Just to, to yeah. Fuck, fuck, that's a lot to give to a kid, and you're supposed yeah. to feel guilty about that because that happened for you. That's we did that for you. So, yeah. Okay. Fucking hell. And every time you wank and it feels nice, you make that man feel sad. Oh, and you're being watched. You know that's yeah. fucking. It's a bit, bit off. Yeah. And uh, it started to unravel. I guess I was about eleven when it was when that stuff started to happen. When I started. I was 11 and I was like, you know what? If I'm going to choose between eternal death and having a wank, I choose a wank. And that was it pretty much. <laughs> I was 11. It's weird. You're not supposed to be able to fucking process all that shit at that age. There's too much, too much going on. And who do you talk to about that? You go to the fucking, you go to someone at the church. I don't. Well, the oh, we sat in a little booth. We sat in a little cupboard and whispered through a screen. That's why you got the confessional. Fuck, that's all that guilt is so huge. Fuck, it was hectic, man. What did you do wrong? Tell the person who's pretending that they don't know who you are. You know, it's like fucking hell. No, thanks. You smell this cigarette breath through the screen. Oh, yeah, because that's fucking, that's good for you. Yeah, it was, it was, it was bananas. Now, I don't know what the Pentecostal stuff was like. Is it similar threats of, you know, behavioural modification? Yeah. Well, it doesn't have the confessional stuff. That's kind of, that's in your own terms, I suppose. There's a lot of repentance. There's constant repentance. I do, I'm definitely every every day, mm. constantly asking for forgiveness. That's That happened for a long time, you know, all the way up into my 20s, more or less. So if I could just always had that such a, such a thing, like you can't, you can't speak to God unless you've, cleansed yourself of you know you said sorry about that you know sorry i'm fucking a fuck up although you've got to because you said the word fuck you've now got to start again <laughs> but there's a lot of there's a lot of that and so you're not worthy you're not fucking worthy of of this yeah. thing but you don't understand what it is yeah like no, certainly no child can grasp or should not have to grasp what the concept of i think even eternity like unless it's joy and happiness or safety, I don't think it's it's healthy to pump a kid full of what hell is, for example. That was the big one. Hell was really big for me as a kid. Like it was described to me at a very young age that if you fuck up and you don't get this right and you don't turn up and you're not – I went to church fucking several times a week, several times on Sunday because wow. my family is such an integral part of the – the show at Hillsong before it was called that. That I'd gone to church like sometimes, I mean, you know, four times on the Sunday, and you know, that's a lot of times. But if you don't do that, if you don't turn up and fucking, you know, say all the right things and pay attention and, you know, don't skateboard or swear, then you you are going to hell. And what hell is is the eternal suffering and pain and fucking hell like that. That concept alone is responsible for a huge part of my mental health anguish is thinking that that's what's going to happen now because, I, like you say, I can't – I'm not going to not swear and fucking skateboard and do things that a kid is just going to do, you know, because it's okay to do that shit, you know. But, yeah, the, the, the Pentecostal church or whatever, I don't know what they call themselves now, but the – Christian guilt is a very, it's very, very heavy. It's a lot of guilt. Whether the story is true or not, there's a way to talk to someone about a story 
when they're a fucking child. You're not going to tell them that, like, this person fucking killed themselves more or less, although if you do that, you go to hell. (laughs) This person fucking, you know, got sacrificed and bled to death and that's your fault, you know. It's your fucking fault. It's like, fuck, what? It's a lot. It's a lot to take in, hey? I had a bit of exposure to that church when we did Australian Idol. I think that was one point out of our top 12. I think seven of them came out of there. And I get it because if you're a singer and you're just a kid that likes to sing and you're quite good at it, sure, you could sing. But, I mean, the place I went to, like, what, you want to have 4,000 people stand on their feet and scream your name every week? Well, fuck. I know somewhere you can go. As long as you swap out the word baby for Jesus, here you are. And it was amazing. You know, I remember going in there going, wow, this is this 16-year-old kid's getting a standing O. And, of course, she feels good because she's getting this, you know, unbelievable response from the crowd. It's a huge, huge setup. Oh, huge unbelievable. Yeah, it's impressive. So just, just one step back before we get to there, tell me about, like, with this idea of what you described as hell and what, what's going on there, when you see someone like our prime minister, like I don't know anything about what that church does or what they preach, you know, I only went there to hear a song and, and tell a kid she got through and then... Oh, I, I, don't, I don't fucking know anymore either. It's been ages, so yeah, I'm with you. But when, when you think about that, this, you know, our, our prime minister, his decision-making process is kind of based in this, this kind of moral compass that starts there. Well, I mean, what, what do we need to know about that? What do we need to know about how you might think? I'm not, you can't know what he's thinking, but... When you think about something like climate change, for example, mm. is he like, it's fine because God won't let anything bad happen to us. You, is it that kind of thing? Well, sure. I suppose that comfort in everything will be okay. And that's that's kind of the whole thing, right, is that everyone wants to feel like everything's going to be all right. Whatever happens, you want it to be okay. And that's where the church and things like that invite you know, a chance to feel okay and I fucking understand that and I'm okay with that. In fact, I'm like, you know, go do whatever you got to do. It's like telling me that I'm a fuckwit for not doing it. It's where I've got the problem. But, yeah, I understand that. So you need to – you want to belong to something. You want to belong to something that feels safe and has a bit of longevity and this isn't it, you know, this life isn't it. There's more going on afterwards. So just behave yourself and we'll get there. But that in, – in that structure of – you know, seeing your world, the just to ask quietly for forgiveness doesn't really suit something like climate change decisions because it won't be okay and it's proven that it won't fucking be okay. But I think bringing that, you can't take someone's personality out of their decision-making and if you are that heavily involved with the church, it's going to be part of who you are. It's a huge part of who you are. It's like you're finding a new that's that born again thing. You feel born again. You are this new. You are a new person. Of course, it's going to be part of how you behave and you make your decisions. So I understand that that would, would hugely influence people's decisions in places of power. Although it being quite fucking concerning. But yeah, I imagine it has a lot to do with it. There's a reason that we tried to separate church and state. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's two two different gigs going on there. Sure are. You know, we all behave on earth that way. All, all our experience dictates the decisions we make. Yeah. You know, it depends. If there's a way for us all to, to positively get together and make things better for each other, I don't, you know, telling someone they're 
a fucking bad person because they're queer or, you know, something that doesn't help anyone. You, if that's what you believe, it's a shame. But, you know, this, these structures of, it's a shame and it's kind of dangerous headspace. But, you know, everyone has a right to believe whatever the fuck they want. But when it starts to affect people's safety and well-being, it's, it's a bit fucked. <laughs> then you've got to have a conversation about it. As a group, we've got to get together and sort it out, have a chat. I know that's a difficult conversation to have, which is probably why people avoid it. Hmm. Fucking totally. And, like, if you're going to try and have those conversations, you rely on – a lot of people rely on media to tell them what the conversations are and things like that, and it's tricky, isn't it? As I mentioned, the I, I couldn't believe the live setup when I saw it. I couldn't believe the, the, the quality of the gear, you know. I was like, holy Incredible, shit, yeah. this is top-end broadcast stuff. This is the same broadcast stuff that we use at, at work. Like, I could not believe how much – the, the budget, was that place where you started getting interested in music? Yeah, definitely. Like, I definitely, mum was a singer, part of the choir thing. She conducted the choir and would sing the choir and that's, I don't know if they still have all that going on. I don't, I don't think mum does that anymore. But, yeah, in early days, dad was a minister there. So we were like, that was when it was a lot smaller, but it was still fucking big. It was still big. It was still always a big show and stuff. But, yeah, I love the music. My first guitar teacher was a, one of the guitarists from the church that played with the church band, I'm pretty sure. And, um, yeah, it was like age of eight. So I was always into it. It was always a good, good escape tunes, you know, even though I wasn't allowed to listen to a lot of it <laughs> that I wanted to listen to, but that's all right. Well, really, like you came home with an Iron Maiden cassette and Dad was like, nope. Nah, well, yeah, there were a couple of... There were a couple of tricky things. There were, you know, obviously music was swearing in it. There's none of that. But, yeah, there's some lines in the sand there that weren't, at the time, weren't allowed. You know, I wasn't allowed to listen to that stuff. But, you know, I still had the radio, a little radio in my room. I'd listen to Triple J or whatever and just try and copy the songs, you know. My favourite Green Day and Nirvana going on. And Yeah, the best to fucking save my life, that shit, that fucking music. is just incredible. How so? Well, I had something to do, like, that wasn't just fearing dying in a pit of fire. It was like music is escape. Like, I was so excited that what I could play on the guitar sounded something like what I was listening to on the radio. So you forgot about it for a minute. It's like jumping in the fucking ocean, you know. You can't switches you off. It makes you feel like a, a winner. It's like the cooking thing, you know. It's like you feel the success there, you know. There's a little success in, like, and trying... I, I am lucky enough to love my music that much that I just kept trying. Even though, you know, you're kidding your shit at it. You just, I just kept trying, kept wanting to sound more like the radio. And, yeah, so that, that stuff was, yeah, I'd take my guitar to school, you know, fucking punish everyone there with it. It was just a nice space that was mine to go to as a young kid. Recording fucking songs off the radio on the tape, remember that shit? Without a doubt, mate. Made my own radio shows. Yeah, to... you did. Fuck, I'd love to find those tapes. What was your DJ name? I think uh, we called it the Funky Fart Show. Yes. I don't think that was my. I don't think. I think what made of mine, Lee, came up with that name. But yeah, we. Yeah, we had the Funky Fart Show. 
What was high school like for you? Were you the, you know, you're saying you punished people at school with your guitar <laughs> playing, you know, I hope you've had the time of your life in the lunch break. Yeah, yeah, lots of that. Oh, mate, of course. W- was was high school something you were, you were into? You were like, I can't wait to get out of here. Yeah, I fucking hated it. I fucking hated school. The whole thing is fucked. Not a happy memory at all. My whole teenage years are fucked. It, just, it was the worst, worst shit ever. Just the worst. Fucking nut. Not into it. School was fucked. I was shit at it too. I repeated a year at school and that was a bit of a waste of time, arguably. You know, I repeated year seven and um, just zero interest in school. I just, you know, I started smoking drugs in high school too and just fucking just tried to, you know, I was just in so much fucking pain as a kid. I was just so, so tormented and so fucking fucked and just I hated it I fucking hated school I mean I I ended up with some friends at least around the year seven year eight mark but I had no fucking mates as a young kid like not really and then by that time comes your your fucking hormonal mess and just that made everything worse and you know and then you start smoking weed and fucking it's just a I'm just thankful I didn't hit the piss as a kid you know just that I just, yeah, that whole thing was a fucking wreck. But I still played lots of music. I didn't stop doing that shit. That was, again, just saved my ass. Like, smoking weed and listening to music as a teenager, you think it's the most exciting thing that's ever happened to you, you know? <laughs> so I became very fascinated with that routine. But, um, yeah, high school can get fucked. I hated it. <laughs> there's a, it's not for everybody and there's other ways to do it. My heart goes out to you, man, hearing how much pain it must have been. But if that's your kid, fucking God, let him do something else. Because the, the after effects of keeping them there is going to be, it's like holding their head underwater. It's like, let them fucking go do something, man. Not this. Yeah. Yeah, well, I suppose. And it, but things have changed, you know. Like now, maybe that's, like I have a younger sister who's doing their HSC. Yeah. At the moment. I can see how different it is for her doing it. I mean, she's, she's in a different, different time, you know. This is, she's a lot younger than me, but. Still hard, still hard. Yeah. She's she's quite talented and you know quite good at school. Not, yeah. But I'm the, the home life was both great and fucking like I was too fucked from my earlier years, too fucked to cope with anything, let alone yeah. school, which was just dishing me out. You suck yeah. over and over and over again. It's like yeah. you fucked this up and you fucked it up again. How about we repeat the whole year? You fucked it again. There were some things I was okay at. Like, I was okay at some of the music stuff and some of the creative shit. But, like, it was just – it's like turning up to something you know that you're going to fuck up, like, constantly. And there's people there that you think are fuckwits and they think you're a fuckwit, which is usually in a healthy situation, I wouldn't go to that place. This is full of fuckwits. I don't want to be there. You know, some of the people were amazing, you know. But, look, I wouldn't put myself – I'd set a healthy boundary around that shit. But when you're a parent, I, I can't speak to what it's like being a fucking parent trying to do your best. Like I got put in a Steiner school because that seemed more appropriate than the grammar school I was I had a crack at before. So, you know, we're trying, trying to do shit. But, like, fuck, I was a fucking nightmare as a teenager. So I'm, I, do, I don't know what anyone was supposed to do. But, yeah, I, I did... The same thing, I fucked off after year 10. I was like, nah, out of here, mate. Fuck that. What did you go and do? I went and, uh, as a kind of gap filler, I went and studied music 
but yeah. poorly. I just failed all that too. I just smoked canes and listened to fucking <laughs> death metal. I didn't really do much, you know. I just kind of turned up occasionally and fucking buggered it up pretty much. Death metal's a, it's not something you, and certainly I'm guessing it was proto-internet. It's it's a little harder to find. Yeah, it wasn't internet. No, it was yeah, red, red there's eye records. There's a lot records. of hanging out of red eye in Utopia. Uh, yeah, that's two, right. Two, yeah. two records. I, when I lived in Brisbane, occasionally as a teenager, I got come down to Sydney and it was a pilgrimage to go to Utopia and just buy as much vinyl. You didn't have enough time, so you just judge the album covers and hope it was good. That's then, it. That's the one. <laughs> yeah. What I liked at red eye was they'd have little stickers the staff had written on the front of the CD, so they're like, this is, you know, give it a review. Yeah. I remember buying this CD that said, not for posers, and I'm like, that's for me. <laughs> I'm definitely not that. And I'm like, I found it really hard to listen to. I was like, right. I, don't, I don't love this. I do now, <laughs> but at the time I was like, this isn't, this is tough. I'm kind of into it. I like that I'm not a poser, so I'm going to pretend... I'm going to pose that I'm not a poser. It was very... What was it about death metal? Because that's some kids go into rap, some kids go into punk. Like as far as you can get away from top 40 music is a way that, you know, you can kind of define yourself. Some kids go and like they just dive into Frank Zappa and then everyone yeah. goes, what the fuck's going on with you? Why death metal? Well, it, it, it suited and still does in, in some respects suit me. I like the intensity of it and I liked it at the way it expresses itself. It's quite technical and it's, fu- it's fucking a lot of fun to play too. And it's a lot of fun. Part of that, me Im- trying to imitate what I'm hearing, you know, that's still metal is cool and punk music so cool in that respect that it's, it's intense. It's fucking, it's intense. And that, that was where I was at. But with that said, I was listening to all of that shit. I love my hip hop and I love listening to Indian ragas and I was playing a, my sitar and shit. I was a weird kid. I wasn't like, I love my jazz and my Miles Davis and stuff. But at that point, the death metal was the thing I was going and buying heaps of and I'd only play that. I get told to shut up at the uni I was at, like in the rehearsal rooms. I'd get people from two floors down coming up and being like, can you shut the fuck up? This is too loud. I was into it. I was just like, let's make as much noise and be the biggest punish I can because it's what was going on in my head. Now I love it, but I don't listen to I don't listen to heaps of it anymore. I do. Yeah. I listen to it every day a bit, but I'm yeah, it's much more mixed up than that. But at the, at the time, that music suits a lot of young yeah distressed people. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's it's quite visceral when you speak about the amount of agony and pain that you were in. Was there any ever a time where you're like, maybe getting away from all of this is is the way? Was there a time where because some people will go, uh, you know, the the classic thing when I was younger was like, let's go to London, or you know, people from the country that moved to Sydney, or people from Brisbane just got they go to Canada, or they just get the fuck out. Was there something like that? I try, I tried little bits of that shit, but like I didn't. I was bad with money. If I ever had money, I'd just spend it on drugs, and like I didn't. I tried to move, I did the move to Melbourne thing and just for a minute, but I fucked that up pretty quick and had to come home and I tried to do some harvest trail shit and go, you know, they're kind of doing that farm work stuff and, but no, I just, it was was pretty dismal. I didn't have a great work ethic. I was too busy fucking being stoned or just, you know, being just struggling and then I got really fucking sick around that age too. I got tuberculosis and then I ended up, that fucked me for years. 
so that was like another huge dose of fucking eat shit from the universe. Jesus, that's like something that kills people in Charles Dickens novels. It's not my first airborne lung disease uh, <laughs> pandemic <laughs> experience, you know. Oh, fuck. I got quarantined and fucking all that shit and like, yeah, that's why I'm extra scared about this shit at the moment. But How old were you? I was 19, 20. Oh, my God. What I a think, time in your life for that to happen. Yeah, I was a teenager and then I just that's when it started to fuck me up. I didn't know it was wrong with me for ages. I just kept wasting my body. Like I, 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 go, I was quite pale and I, I just started to get sicker and sicker and lose so much fucking weight. I ended up like 53 kilos or something in the end. And you're taller than me. Uh, fuck, that's, that's skinny. It's very, yeah, way, way too thin and... Yeah, by that time, I was just vomiting all day and, like, I couldn't work out what was going on. It was for months, almost a year before I worked out what was going on. I was too scared of the doctor. I'd turn up a doctor and get, you go to rando GPs and they told me I had, fuck, they kept telling me things like, oh, you've got hep C and you've got all these, these things. And I was like, fuck, you know, and I'm stoned, you know, and I'm like, oh, my God, already, like, at my li- limits. Yeah. Thankfully, I... I still see this doctor, but he's fucking he had the idea to check me for, you know, he's like, where have you travelled anywhere in the last while? And you know, we worked out I'd been to India, and I'm like, well, maybe we should check for TB. And uh, yeah, and there you go. And I unfortunately made a bunch of my mates crook, and oh no, fucking pretty contagious. Yeah, thankfully they didn't get crook crook, but you know, it's very very fucking contagious. You know, tuberculosis loves bong water. Loves bong water, yeah, yeah, it does love bong water. I, I did get that sick that I had. The, I had, was so fucked and I had such bad chronic fatigue that a bong wasn't necessary anymore. I was just oh, so no. fucked. So for a few months there, I'd actually just stopped it because I was just so, so fucked. I was asleep. I couldn't stand on my skateboard. If I was sitting, I'd have to fall asleep on the table. Like really. Anyway, that was all very, very fucking traumatic and did shit to my brain. Like I couldn't – obviously when you've got chronic fatigue, you can't fucking focus. And Does it affect your O2 levels? Does it affect your cognitive function? It would, wouldn't it? Well, I mean it has that – like I'm sitting there drowning feeling. Like I just like I'm out of breath. <sighs> Nothing will help. Like I can't breathe anymore. It's like you're being suffocated. Like you're having a – yeah, yeah. It's pretty tra- – I don't know. I don't know about all that stuff. I didn't – but, yeah, it, f- it fucking does the number on you. And by the time they'd worked it out with me, by the time they'd worked out what the fuck it was, I'd, it had fucked me that bad. My lungs were fucked. And, uh, but, yeah, thanks to the, uh, the 12 antibiotics, whatever it was a day, they fucking – we sorted it out, but I f- it fucking made things so much worse. I was already, like, at wit's end. You strike me as, like, I, I get that you've been through some shit. And, and I think that's why when you speak or when you are on camera, you have a thing in your eye that says, I have fucking seen it. And I'm here to tell you that joy is ours if we want to take it. So, you know, I, can, <laughs> I can tell that when I look at you, I can see that there's, there's bit, you've seen some shit. What was the yeah. thing that helped you turn a corner? I mean, it sounds like from when you were young, there was this never-ending, just fucking doom, imaginary doom, and then lived doom, and then inescapable, trapped-in-your-body doom. Yeah. And like, what the fuck? What was the turning point? Like, what was the moment where you saw the glimpse of light? Oh, fucking stopping taking drugs every weekend did help. 
I, uh, I, the things that, that, that have helped me fucking sort my shit out have been these videos are responsible for a great deal of improvement. Having, having a purpose to make something that's going to make people laugh has been a huge, huge help. That and fucking swimming in the ocean has helped me a great deal. That helped me with heaps of shit. But the, the real thing that helps me is like just fucking hanging in there, like and having great friends who forgive you and support you and amazing partners. And I've just been very lucky with friends and that have helped me. But the turning point has really been where I've just I think I just got sick of it. I got sick of, like, I put on a lot of weight and I was very, I was fucking you know, drinking heaps. And at this point, where I was like, I'm fucking sick of this shit. I'm going to, I just think I got fucking sick of it. I'm going to die this way or I'm going to die doing something else that's not about me. I felt very self involved just being so, so heady about everything that I just wanted to change it. So I started hitting the gym and started making these videos, even while I was at work, I'm filming myself and documenting fucking all sorts of shit, trying to have a laugh wherever I can and just keep pushing, keep pushing it at what I'm I'm creating here. Even if it's not getting any fucking views, which it didn't for a while, just keep making shit, keep fucking turning up, keep going at it, you know. And if it doesn't work out, fuck it, you know, I'll have another meltdown or something, I don't know. But at the moment, we're just, we're getting through it and... I mean, I'm, I'm moderately, I've got a, a success going on that I'm fucking fascinated by and feel massively guilty about that I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. I kind of don't get it. I don't really get what's going on a little bit, but it's what I need and what I want to do this shit. That's a really complicated, convoluted non-answer for your question there. <laughs> that's okay. No, no, but, that's, but I, I resonated with a lot of it as I'm... In March, I'll be 12 years sober, and I mm. thought I was a special snowflake, but it turns out I am I just have the same fucking symptoms and the same behavioral patterns and the same mm. thought patterns that every other fucker has. And there's a phrase, and you kind of paraphrase it a bit there, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah. And there's a point, you kind of have to get to a point when you're like, oh, I'm like this because I've chosen every time to do this. No one else shoved it down my throat. No one else told me to go to that place or hang out with that person. I chose to do it. Oh, if I make different choices, I'll get different outcomes. Fuck, it's on me. But you have to be over it, right? You have you to have be to. like, Gotta you be see done. where it goes and you see the, the mates or you see it happening and you're fucking in your late 40s and you're still fucked and like it's not a good look and it's not no. like you see the people you know in the older generation and like, well, you know, you've seen kind of try and learn from your own shit and you do, you, I mean, you have a choice within the window of what your mental health will allow, you know. If, if you feel like you have a gap there where you can make a bit of change, you can go for a walk, you can talk to someone today, you can go to the gym, you can maybe maybe we'll have an AFN tonight, we'll have the alcohol-free night, just take it. If you can do it, give it a fucking shot and if it gives you something back, you fucking won. That's where like exercise is as boring as fuck as that is to hear, gives you a lot back and it is miserable shit, you know. No one likes fucking running, you know, no one likes. I mean, I, I, I enjoy lifting weights and doing that shit, blah, 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 who cares. But the, 
it gives me something back enough that makes me not want to go do the, the shit thing, you know. I do understand that people aren't up for that shit too and that it's tough to get there. I'm just lucky enough that I'd had enough. And same with you, you'd had enough. This is enough. Yeah. We've got to do something else. I could truly see where it was going. You're right. I could see I'm lucky because, you know, I've, you know, I've talked about this. I know of people who, you know, they came to sobriety because they woke up behind the wheel of a car with a cop in their yeah. passenger window going, you've just fucking killed someone. And they were like, I was, oh, I was at a bar. They don't remember. That they got in a car and they've driven in a blackout and killed somebody. Oh, mate. But that happens. That happens all the time. Yeah. Happens all people in the fuck. People do stuff in blackouts and they come out of it and go, what? Yeah. What the fuck? That's so hardcore. It's so, so heavy. Yeah. Well, and that's it. It either gets there, there's stages, and that's very extreme and very, but it's fucking real. That's what's waiting. It's a. it's like you're on the fucking tram that mm. has no stops. There's this one, oh, it's got a few stops, and then there's like a final one. Like, this is your chance, because from here on in, there's that's where it's going. Yeah. And there's, if you, that, sorry, mate. <laughs> well, and some of the stops before it are pretty fucking annoying as well, you know? Like, I'm not saying that's yeah. obviously a bit more than annoying. That's really intense and horrid, but like, I don't know, the, the feeling like, oh, cool, I said a bunch of fucking stupid shit, because you're in pain and you're a mess and you're, scapegoat booze zone, you know, or whatever it is, and you're just fucking being an annoying fuckwit that needs to do some self-reflection and and grow a bit, you know. You can't yeah. grow if you're fucking hammered all the time. It's really hard to it's really hard to get better and get high all at once. I'm not saying yeah. it's impossible, but as a general rule, it's not it, it doesn't have a great fucking score on the board, that one. I actually found out why is there's a, there's a thing that happens when you drink and the more you drink over the longer amount of time, it happens earlier and earlier, is your hippocampus stops working. Your hippocampus is a thing that writes new memories. Right. So it's hippocampus in, in your brain, is it? Yeah, it helps you write new memories. So that's right. why you're like, ah, oh, Chono's got his pants off on the pool table again, you know, <laughs> because the last time it Didn't happened- did go well got, last time, but he's done it again. But- his hippocampus has stopped him understanding that, oh, you got kicked out of the pub and you missed the good night. Yeah. That part doesn't get written into his code. So then yeah. he goes in again and goes, oh, last time, he remembers the fun part. Last time I jumped off the pool table yeah. and I took my pants off, it was heaps of fun. But he doesn't remember the consequence. That's why we keep doing the same shit. Yeah, until the catastrophe happens and then you fell off and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Speed yourself on the pool queue, you know. Yeah, it's not. You need a couple of fuck-ups or something to knock it off a bit, but, yeah, sometimes yeah. it's not enough. Hopefully it ends before the catastrophe of <laughs> the, the car echo or something. Oh, yeah, oh, my God. What what drew you to start filming yourself? You're just like, I'll make a video and I'll send it to some mates just to make them giggle? Pretty much, yeah. Like, I've always been, like, an attention-seeking fucking shithead. <laughs> I've always – even there's a video of me in preschool somewhere, buried somewhere, all the kids are, you know, doing the, a song or a dance or something or other, and I'm just going fucking nuts, doing whatever I can to interrupt the whole thing and be seen more than everyone else. You know, there's videos of stuff like that. Any time I saw a camera as a kid, run in front of it. I like any chance to do something at assembly or get people together to watch me do something. They are horrible, cringy memories that I fucking I find hard to remember, but it's the truth. I just... I love that stuff. I love, I love seeing people laugh 
It makes me feel okay. Makes me feel like I'm not the biggest useless piece of shit that I think that I am. When I see people laughing at me, I don't even care if it's at my expense sometimes. It's just like I like seeing people laugh or enjoy my nonsense a bit that I've just, it's a natural progression, I suppose. And now it's easier. Like it's become easier since your phone can fucking, the amount of shit that I've filmed on the phone, even up to these early cooking episodes, I stopped using a camera because my phone is, just kicks more ass than anything else. It's like, I've got that on me. I could just fucking, we can piss off and go and go and make whatever, wherever. And so, you know, these ideas of, trying to put myself in situations that I, like I always talk shit about stuff. I'm never, like I watch the telly, whatever it is, I'm always hanging shit on stuff because I find normalcy really weird and ridiculous. So I'm like, well, why don't we kind of do that? Why don't we just wander around to shows where I, I know I'm going to be mind-numbingly fucking pissed off and bored and take the phone, you know? <laughs> it made sense. It just made more and more sense. And like, you know, my wonderful friends give me amazing reviews about it and I would just post it on my medias and show my mates and they'd love it like make more of them you know so I just kept doing that it's a You're long a- flog though it's a fucking long flog of making a lot of shit fucking shit push through it though fuck yeah well every time you make so you get those tiny it's like learning anything though Nat it's like every time you make something you get a little better at editing you cut just a yeah. little bit better so the gag gets a little harder you know oh, next time I need to get the thing I'm joking about just a little more in frame or a little less in frame it's all a learning curve everything's like just that's how we learn that's how we get better the idea that you're instantly great at something is bullshit that happens in fairy stories yeah and it's it's not realistic like to expect that either it's like you can't it's it's boring and as it, it sounds the hard work does and this and the and the analysis if you're if you're a creative person seeing wanting to do better is, is a good headspace to be in you know yeah because what creating is you're creating more and more if you just sit pretty in what you're doing too much it, you'll end up doing the same thing like it's the same. We've already seen that. You know, I'm, it says me makes cooking shows repeatedly, <laughs> but yeah. Do you take that approach to your your mental health or your physical health? Mm, definitely. Definitely. Like I made a video last year hanging shit on people running. Like because, you know, it's not run, what are you running from kind of thing. You know, it's a joke. You know, it's obviously a fucking joke. I did is it shit of running. And now I won't let myself off unless I've gone for a run today. Like just because it's. I, can't, I want to get better. I want to get fucking better in my head and I want to be in charge of that shit. You know, I'm even trying to lose weight and fucking get fitter and get healthier and that's a cool goal where I'm at at the moment for me because I'm kicking that fucking goal. But when it comes to mental health, that 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 has been the, the biggest part of it is because I'm in charge of that shit. But I'm still a fucking mess. Like, I'm still fucked. But that stops for those minutes and a few hours around it. I feel I feel all right. I feel fucking okay. Running's weird like that too. And you know, I know you ride ride bikes and stuff and that, that cardio shit. I used to run before I I have a fake hip now. I used to run at ten Ks every day. That's just what I did. I got up in the morning, had a cup of coffee, took a shit, put my shoes on and just ran. Took my house keys. <sighs> so a key and yeah. ran. And that's, I that's what I'm it doing. was amazing. It did me like all the way till maybe one o'clock in the day, my head would just be it'd be amazing. 
Fucking hell. Yeah. I miss it so much. Yeah, you can get a bit obsessive about stuff like that. So I'm trying to watch that at the moment too. Yeah. And I'll talk to Jules about that. And she gets a bit worried at times that I'm a bit, I get a bit obsessive. I'm, that's an addictive part of me too. Like, yeah. There's worse things to be addicted to, mate. There is worse things, but I do go fucking ham on it a bit. <laughs> yeah, but you're trying, to find, you're trying to find a source of dopamine release that's within your control. And that's, yeah. that's okay to have yeah. that internal, because for so long, such things were sounds like that were so out of control for you and you were just getting kicked around like a fucking grocery bag on a freeway for so long. Yeah. To have that internal control of I know that I can feel better in my head if I go and do this yeah. must be amazing. It is pretty it – it was quite very empowering to feel like you're in charge of something when you, for the most part, have not been, you know. Yeah, it's, it's it's good. We'll see how long it lasts. <laughs> it's lasted three, four years now, so I'm hoping that. That's well. The, the more the more momentum that builds up behind it, the easier it is to keep going. And my experience, and then I talked about this with Matthew Mitchum, the Olympic diver. I wanted to talk to him about mastery and I wanted to talk to him about athleticism and, you yeah. know, what it was to, be, you know, win a gold medal in diving. We ended up talking about sobriety and it was one of the greater conversations I've had publicly about sobriety. He, he hit me with this amazing line. He goes, yeah, you end up building up a life in sobriety that you are unwilling to risk. And soon the, the idea yeah. of, oh, it's just our beer. Just our beers. Like, yeah, but I know what that leads to. I know mm. what happens. If I start like that, I know where it might not be tomorrow. It might not be in a month, but within a year, it will all be gone. And uh, it gets easier to keep that momentum up. Mm. And so three or four years is pretty fucking amazing to be on that path. It'd be your, you know, we spoke before we started rolling. I'm still on a journey to be like, it's not, I'm not quite there. There's still something happening. Let's Let's see how how good we can make this. Let's see yeah. how I'm noticing that things are still, I'm still causing pain to others or I'm still not fulfilling my potential or I'm still, I'm still missing things. How yeah. can I get better at this? Yeah. And as far as the thing to obsess about every day, I know it's self-centered, but <laughs> it makes me less of a fuckhead to be around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, there you go. If it's, and if it's bettering you and it's better for your universe and the people around you and most of all you yeah. why wouldn't you there, there's your happiness and you've got to go for your happiness if it's making you happy if I keep doing that we will be back with Nat in just a moment Nat is touring and so are we Rachel and I are going to hit the road we're going to make a podcast with you come make a podcast with us April the 3rd we're in Melbourne 4 o'clock in the afternoon Sensible time, sensible start times. Uh, Brisbane, April 22nd, 6.30. Just put those dates in your calendar. I'll let you know when they're on sale and I'll let you know where the venues are. They're close to the CBD, all right? I can't say anything else at the moment, but um, venues and on-sale dates to come. I will also uh, tell you who the guests are when you're in the room. You're going to be sitting there in your chair. We'll be having a chat. And I'll go, oh, let me tell you about my guest today. And then I'll go, I'll start to talk about introducing them and be like, there's no way that person's here. Hang on, what? And then, and here they are. They walk out and you'll go, far out. We're in the same room as blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Rach and I are planning some pretty big ones. So it's going to be super fun. Come make a live podcast with us. Melbourne, April 3rd. Brisbane, April 22nd. Four o'clock in Melbourne and 6.30 o'clock. 
in Brisbane. We're also very, very excited here to say that the Patreon is back. We ran Patreon for years. It helped us keep Andy employed. And uh, we really want to take this show, take this podcast to whole other levels. The uh, the live stuff is just a part of that. And you are coming along for the ride. We want you to be a part of it. And and Patreon is, is has been in the past a brilliant way to make sure that you uh, stay involved. And we'd love you to be involved in where this show goes next. Patreon.com slash Osher. There are a few different levels. I think two. We're going to start with two different levels. Uh, both are ad-free versions of the podcast. And there's a there's a few extra perks for the bigger one. So until you get the ad-free feed, you might hear some ads here. If you don't hear some ads, well, look at you. We'll be back with Nat. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does, they charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you met Jules, were you fairly open about what you'd been through and what was going on? Yeah, totally. I fucking prattle on about myself constantly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very upfront about that stuff. And, in fact, it was like a concern, you know. I was like, I'm concerned that I'm a bit fucked, you know. It should took it pretty easy for a while with Jules and was just like, I'm just saying, no, I'm not, I'm not like a well person. You know, but she's so so beautiful and so kind and open for that and was is patient and yeah still fucking really is and made it through me being a fucking nightmare you know she's amazing but yeah very upfront about that i don't it's not i'm not ashamed of it like i can't yeah i just suffer shame like everyone does and you know maybe i've got more than others or something but and the, the mental health thing's so prevalent. It's such a struggle that it's a waste of my time to pretend that I'm fine. It's just, it's not doing me or anyone around me any favours. It certainly doesn't do anxiety any favours to pretend that you're fine. Like, I'm too anxious for this shit. I'm going to go, you know, like, it's okay. It's actually better to to just say something than not a lot of the time, at least for me. I'm not, yeah, so I've been good at talking about it. I think. When you're having a rough day, hmm. how do you communicate that to her and, and what are some things that she does that makes it a, a less rough day? She just tells me that everything will be all right. It's like to just put a hand on my back and tell me that everything's okay, you know. She's good. She's a generally pretty okay person who's, I'm, I'm so grateful, has the space to manage my constant. There's a point at pretty much every day where I need that and I need – 
I need, I need someone to tell me it's all right. It'll, I'll have a panic attack today. I know I will, and it's just going to happen. Like I'll just, I'll end up. My heart will start smashing out of my fucking chest, whether it's at bedtime or when I wake up or fucking halfway during this. You know, I don't know. I don't. I can't pick it at the moment. But Jules is there. She can see it and she can fucking spot it going on. It just, you know, at the moment it happens quite a lot. I'm going through quite a lot of anxious attack shit, but. Yeah, she'll see it and she'll come and rub my back. I've got to respond well to the back rub. <laughs> it's to calm me down a bit. Yeah. Something my dad used to do to me when I was a kid. That's huge. She knows if, if we need to talk about it or not to, you know, so, and, I, and I'll try and say something. I do need a prod every now and then, but, yeah, she's amazing. Every day? At the moment, yeah, it's fucking, that's what's inspired the running the last couple of months because I, I can't stop. The anxiety, there's a lot going on and this time of year fucking scares the shit out of me. And I'm trying to hang on to this career a bit too. I'm like, I don't want to fuck this up and I'm careful Mate. about what I say. I don't want to fucking, you know, my privacy is quite important to me. I don't want to fucking, there's a lot of people want to touch me and want to, you know, spot me and see me and stuff like that and I, I'm scared of that. Yeah. I'm scared of people touching me at the moment because I'm, you know, even my friends, I'm just a bit, because of that lung stuff and the being sick before. And so there's a lot to be anxious about, but I'm doing shit about it. You know, I'm fucking gradually getting better. Running's been awesome because it's, it's fucking, I am getting better at it. Like I'm, I've got one of those apps and I'm just skipping through levels. I'm like, fucking, I can smash this shit. I mean, that's been awesome. So it's been getting less. It has been getting less, which is what's important. I'm, I'm fucking smashing it. It is so important because you wake up every day. I certainly, when I'm going through it, I, I write, a, you know, a one to five level of where my anxiety is. Mm. And I know that if I get above, and it, it comes in peaks and troughs, and I know that if I get above three for more than three days in a row, I'm off to see my, my psychiatrist. Yeah. Because I know by the time I get to five, I'll be fucked. You're fucked, yeah. So I know now to take note of it every day. Because yeah. that helps me notice going, it's bad today, but it's gone in waves. I know yeah. it'll be better by Saturday. I won't, won't be like this. Yeah, you can see it coming a bit. You're like, you know, you've got a couple of tools in the shed there. Quick, fucking pull those out. Super important, man. Yeah, and it's nice to hear that. It's nice to hear you do that stuff, you know. You know you got your limit and you got to yeah. fucking – that's that's what my therapist does with me too. It's like there's some things that make me so fucking anxious that I don't – a lot of them are social, you know, these days. I'm mm. like, I don't, I've got a lot of social anxiety and generalised anxiety. So it's like there are situations I wouldn't put myself in. Like I'll think someone doesn't like me, you know, who cares really in the greater scheme of things. But, you know, it might be a local shop or something that I have to go to to get, you know, get a thing or something. And I walked in there one time and they looked at me like they didn't like me and I now don't want to go back in there. I just won't. My therapist is like, well, on the score of one to fucking ten, yeah. how anxious does that make you? Or getting in a lift with someone, I haven't liked doing that, getting in small lifts with them, particularly if someone doesn't have a mask on or something, I get, you know, get the heebie-jeebies. He's like, well, pick, pick the level and act accordingly. We need to fucking don't hide from it. But when you hit this level, that's no, you know, and that's like what you're saying. If it's you don't get to fucking five, I've got a 10 going on. I've got a 10 yeah, score. Yeah, yeah. But if it's above like a six or seven, we will fucking, let's deal with the things below it first. 
Yeah. And then we can, maybe those will drop with it, you know. Well, that's the thing they do over time. It yeah. sucks. It sounds like it's a kind of a version of exposure therapy. It's like anything. It's like going to the gym. Like the more, like your running app, the more you do it, the more your body adapts, the more your thinking adapts, the easier it becomes. But it's uncomfortable. Like you'll know this from going to the gym. Like if you want to put muscle on, you've got to challenge your body and it hurts. It hurts. It's hard and it hurts a lot when you're trying to pull a deadlift that's really fucking heavy. But your body then responds. You only have to be willing to be with that hurt for eight seconds. That's it. But you've got to be willing to do that. You've got to push it, yeah. But with, with our body, it's a little easier, but certainly with our head. I, I mate, I, I know what it was like. You're a very visible person, and I can absolutely relate to that. You know, we, when I was on, the, on Idol back in the day, you know, I'd, I'd have people running up to me in the grocery store, grabbing my hair, trying to pull it off, thinking it was a wig. Oh, fuck Just so. trying to buy my fucking wheat picks, you know? Fuck off, yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it was terrifying. People would come and yeah. tackle me. You know, I, I didn't know what the fuck thought I was being mugged. Yeah, you know? I fucking had some of that shit. It's fucking horrible. It's, it's pulling it's, at your hair though, like fucking. Yeah, I know. It'd right? take a lot not to turn around and fucking pull their hair, wouldn't it? Well, you know, my answer was not leave the house, Nat. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> For days at a time. Turns out not the right move because it no. just got worse. Oh, the more I ran from it, the more I ran from it, the worse it got. Yeah. But that, that's another story. I, I, obviously, you're, you're very interested in caring for yourself. Like you talk about the running and the swimming and the and nutrition is, is a big part of this. Yeah. What, what stories do you hear? Like it's your cooking videos are hilarious, all right? But cooking is one of those things we all have to eat, all right? Cooking is one of those things where you can show yourself self-love and show people around you love Absolutely. in a way that you cannot do with words or physical actions. Yeah. What kind of feedback have you gotten from people around the emotional connections with their own bodies or with the people around them through the cooking work you've been doing? Oh, the, the Particularly with, with the younger people, it's been huge. They're like, you know, there's kids out there that are like, you know, not even 12 years old, out there cooking dinner for their families. It's wild to hear that. There's like people that have said, I haven't made anything, I've never cooked in my life. And that made me laugh so much, I gave it a crack. And I'm, I, I can't believe it, I've made it every night this week, you know. My partner's getting sick of me making lasagnas. <laughs> but it's so fucking awesome. It's been Lots of really beautiful people sending some really beautiful stuff, you know, and showing us, like, sending. I love seeing people's pictures of the stuff they've made and they're like, this, fucking check this out. And I put my thing in it, you know. It turns out I like putting a bit more of this in it or whatever it is. Fuck yes. Yes. It's awesome. So awesome to see that shit. That's been such a, a wonderful side effect of this, these cooking videos. It's people have had such a good laugh that they've had that jar of whatever the fucking horrifying shit is and been like, you know what, fuck it, I'll, I'll give this actual crack because a, a lot of the dishes I'm making are pretty, pretty simple, you know. I'm not doing the fancy French chef stuff too much, so they're doing, they're fucking nailing it. There's people out there that are having these incredible wins. It's just so, so fucking cool. It's just so fucking cool. There's just something wonderful. I mean, food is love that you can appreciate with your mouth. Yeah, you know, that's it. And you, it doesn't doesn't ask anything of you. I mean, it it asks something of you if you've got a muscle down that jar of bechamel. But I mean, it, 
a, a meal that you've lovingly cooked for someone, you've given people. That's why I love the roast dinner. I love that shit. You know, you just here. You know, I don't need anything from you. Just have have whatever you like. Eat something. We'll sit down and we'll shoot the shit. We'll have a fucking have a time. You know, or not. You just sometimes the silence of the table eating your food is really nice. My dad says that. So it's a nice, <laughs> nice thing. No one's saying anything. Must be good. It <laughs> doesn't ask much of you eating and doing that stuff. It's a nice, nice way to say I love you in other words, you know, in another way. Do people get worried when they ask you around for dinner? Do they get worried they're cooking for you? Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't happen a great deal these days. <laughs> So it's been a problem for years for me. People, I often won't let people, I don't give them the chance, you know. I'm just, I'm in there cooking. What do you want to do? I've lived in a lot of share houses and I'm on the blow, like, you know, texting people. I'm thinking of making this, this and this and this. Who'd eat this? I'm going to do this. I'm just, I don't give people a chance half the time. But I love it. I love being invited over for dinner. Love it. But, uh, yeah, it's also not been particularly possible the last while, but... <laughs> Well, mate, you and Jules are more than welcome any time to come over and, and enjoy one of my wife's Fijian. And so there's this incredible mix of Indian and Chinese and traditional awesome, awesome, cuisine awesome. that makes up Fiji. Mate, you are on. Dude, she can make a curry with one eye closed and she rolls the roti. Have you ever, ever done ever done roti on your show? No. Oh, man. No. you got to get Audrey on his show, dude. She can. Yeah. Dude, fuck she yeah. can cook. You want some Islander food, man? She's all about it. Oh, I'd love to learn that stuff. That sounds fucking awesome. Where Have up? you ever had fried tapioca? Fried tapioca? No, I don't think so. There you go. Watch out. Mate, if you want to talk about Fucked a carb, <laughs> you want to talk about carbs like pasta, rice, fuck off. Step aside. You want that South Pacific tapioca or taro. You know, I think it's the same thing. Cassava, fried mm -hmm. cassava. Oh shit! It's got a bajillion grams of carbohydrates in it, and yeah. it, you you eat it, and you're just like, poof, like no wonder, you know, the South Pacific rugby teams are so massive because the caloric intake like makes big people. The carbs, I love the carbs. All Bring about them on. the carbs, mate. I don't eat meat. All I've got is carbs. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, and and now that I'm celiac, like I can only this is like I'm stuck. So for carbs, that's what it is. Is it's amazing, dude. So lovely to meet Jules because I know how much she means to you, and I can see the kindness in her eyes. The moment she met me, I was like, oh right, of course, that yes. And it reminded me a lot of the relationship I had with Audrey, just hearing you talk about her, because yeah. that's definitely what Audrey does for me and did for me when I was at my worst. I'm grateful that you two found each other beyond measure. Yeah, it seems like you got a really sweet thing going on there too, man. That's what a wonderful thing it is to have people that care about you and love you that much, hey? Like and have the space to deal with your lot of stress and anguish. Yeah, don't get me wrong, it's not a fucking Mills and Boone novel. Like there's still the ups and downs of oh, sure, being in a sure. relationship because that's what being in a relationship is. It's not all balcony sex and champagne and strawberries. It's, you know, why the fucking bins take it out? It's hard yeah. work sometimes, sure. <laughs> yeah, but like all good things, you know, take a, take a bit of work and a bit of self-analysis and a bit of forgiveness and a bit of love, you know. There's a lot of there's work you got to do to look after a good thing. So, yeah, I get it. It's worth it, dude. Fucking nice, it's worth it. 
I could talk to you all day, Nat. Congrats on everything. You're a fucking legend. Thanks, Osh. That was Nat's What I Reckon. God, he's good. Give his book to someone you love. It's called Death to Jar Sauce. Also, Uncook Yourself uh, is his uh, first book. But go see him. Go see him live. Get it. Like, that's how you really support someone like Nat. Get that money directly to him. That's what I reckon.com. Go and see it. Enjoy the show. You'll be able to buy his books and shit at the show as well. So, that's what I reckon.com. Go check him out. As I mentioned, the Patreon is back. We are offering an ad free version of the show uh, for a, you know, the price of a cup of coffee. Once a month, you get ad-free versions of the show and um, you're able to support us and support the show. For a little bit more than that, there's a, some extra perks, but I'll, you know, you'll find that tier when you get there. Patreon.com slash Osher. Wednesday, we're going to speak with Julie Stavania. She started Style Runner. Yeah, Style Runner, the colossally successful online clothing company. She's brilliant. And her motto of how she built this business is something that we can all learn from. And I really got to thank Brie for putting that show together because I needed to be reminded of it myself. It was really good to listen to again. Come make some live shows with me. I'll see you in Melbourne. I'll see you in Brisbane. Until we speak on Wednesday, massive thank you to Andy Ma for cutting this up, Bree Steele on research and support, Toe Hyder on the music, and the brilliant and powerful Rachel Barrett, who is finding ways to get live stream quality Wi-Fi into venues that are otherwise impenetrable to mobile signals. But we will find a way. Hopefully, we're going to see if we can live stream some of the shows. If you can't make it to the gigs, we're going to try and live stream some of the shows. So that's all a part of it. We're going to get there. It's going to be awesome. So thank you, Rachel Barrett, the executive producer of everything. Get you a Rachel if you can. All right. I'm, what am I going to do? Might have some lunch. (laughs) Until we speak next time, sleep well and dream of beautiful things. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.